security guys look at each other like, who's Henry Rollins? It can't be this. A Grammy winner isn't in a pair of gym shorts with a sweat-stained T-shirt with a laminate on. They're looking at each other like, do we let him up? And they (laughs) they went, screw it. Hey everyone, what's up? This is Sarah. I'm your host of Talk to the End Podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s, and more hello in 90s kids. Second time this week. Ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. I've had a lot of caffeine today, um, but I am so excited to bring you the second part to our interview with the legendary Henry Rollins, Renaissance artist, punk icon, just writer, author, actor, everything. And uh, really excited. This is a really great second part to the episode. Um, before we get into the interview with Henry, please make sure you are following us on social media, TTTHpod on Twitter, Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram. TalkToTheHandPod.com is our website, or you can email us at TalkToTheHandPod at gmail.com. And just a reminder, um, please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It helps us with the algorithm, and it also will enter you into our April giveaway. Um, Make sure in your five-star review that you also leave a comment so that we have your name and we can shout you out at the end of April, and you will win a swag box with TTTHPod merch and a bunch of other cool stuff. So please do that. It really helps us out. And yeah, Um, I don't think I have any more... uh, I don't think I have any more housekeeping news. So let's just dive right into the rest of the episode with Henry Rollins, shall we? Here is side B to our interview with our friend Henry Rollins. <laughs> and I remember uh, just from the last time we spoke about your travels and everything. Um, but if you want to tell our listeners, what was your favorite? What was what's one of the places that you go back to regularly? Like your favorite place from the people, the culture, the food, the the landscape. What 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 are some of your favorite experiences from those sure. travel days? Um, I've been to Australia like 40 sometimes. I knew you were going to say that one. Well, you know, if I got kicked out of America for, you know, being too good looking, funny and humble, <laughs> um, if Australia would take me, you know, I, I, I love Australia. There's like every third person's in a really good band. The food is good. Um, they have some challenges. I mean, it, it, there's some Austra- aspects to Australia that are, don't thrill me. Mm-hmm. And it's not for me to tell a, a country about themselves, but um, there's some, they, they got some issues, like what country doesn't? Yeah. But um, I really like it there. And I've been yeah. going there since 89. And I go there up to two times a year. And uh, usually, you know, there's shows waiting for me and I, I do very well there. I, I, I'm on my own just being Henry on stage. I do like multiple nights at the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. It takes wow. me like five, it takes me five weeks to tour Australia with hardly any nights off. So wow. I start in Sydney, like on the, on the east, uh, eastern part of the continent. And I work my way to Perth, the west. And then usually my next show is Johannesburg in South Africa. So Australia is a go-to that you, if I had the time and there wasn't COVID, hey, you want to go drink a cup of coffee in, in Melbourne tomorrow? Oh, man, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no problem. Um, I love England because, you know, so, so much of my record collection is from there. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's a beautiful patch of real estate and the people are just you know really interesting and uh, the culture and the, the music history to me is like so relevant. Um I love Thailand. Maybe yeah. the fr- the friendliest people I've ever met on the planet. 
There's just a gentle, I'm sure there's some bad apples, but um, the people I've met, I don't know how many times I've been there, like 11 times, walk alone in, in Bangkok, at least. People think you're there, you know, for the sex trade. And that's yeah. just, that's not my lane. Mm. Um, I love Vietnam because uh, the people are amazing. And the history between the United States and Vietnam is really intense. And when you see it from the Vietnamese perspective, yeah. it's a whole other history that I think is all Americans should should be aware of because it's not exactly what you learned in school and you don't have to dig that deep to to really get it and it's a very humanizing experience i think um but there's there's a lot of i love germany again the people the music i've always done very well there like they germany loved black flag yeah germany embraced the rollins band like first shows we did there like a thousand people um and they just got it and um, I'm in Germany up to five times a year, you know, mainly for shows or to do TV or whatever. I've had a radio show in Berlin. I love Berlin. Um, and, and it's just a, an amazing part of the European continent. And then to draw the, the, the lens wider, I love Europe. Yeah. Because mm. as a, you know, a, a musician type, you know, if you want to eat every day, play in Europe. <laughs> uh, and so, cause they have bread and cheese there. And yeah. so um, you become uh, very well acquainted with the streets of Amsterdam and Hamburg and wherever else. And so the continent has always been very good to me. The Benelux, like Belgium, Scandinavia, same thing. And, you know, Italy and Portugal and Italy uh, and Spain, rather the same thing. And so um, I love when I'm on the, I'm on the continent of Europe for months at a time touring uh, hopefully January and February of next year, fingers crossed. And yeah. I'll be getting, my first shows are in Berlin, three nights in Berlin to start nice. the tour. Yes. And I'll be getting there days early as a treat for me, just so I can be on the streets of Berlin because it's Berlin. I just like walking in Berlin. Berlin's I, so beautiful and open. Yep. And, you know, the, the German people I've met, the thousands I've met in my life have been great to me. And, you know, there's a, a big heavy metal festival that canceled last year and hopefully is doing it this year called Wacken, W-A-C-K-E-N. Wacken, it's like usually about 75,000 people. And, you know, bands, you know, they play once and then they might throw Iron Maiden, they play like every five years or so. I'm at Wacken every year because the, the two guys who run it, they like having me as the low decibel alternative Okay. Because okay. I'm I'm, a, I'm way on the other side of the campus in the art tent, just me and a microphone. Amazing. So I am an annual attraction. And I was invited last year. I said, yes, of course. And it canceled. And they said, how about 2021? I said, yes, of course. I want to be on the stage at fucking until, you know, I'm there with an IV wondering where my pants are. Uh, and so it's a heavy metal pretty much German audience. And you think a bunch of heavy metal people would be like throwing chairs and pint mugs. They are the politest, most open-minded gang yeah. of braided beard Viking types I've ever been in front oh, of. Oh, I love it. And I they're just incredible. cool as hell, friendly, hilarious people who dig crazy music like me. And so um, if you drop me in Scotland or Ireland or Denmark or Sweden or Finland or uh, Austria or, or Moscow, I, you know, I don't like the boss in Moscow, but I like the people at my shows yeah. and it's a great city. Um, I'd be happy going to any of those tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so the world is kind of my oyster. I mean, um, 
I'm a, I'm a crazy person and I'm allowed to be crazy as I want. Thankfully, it's not dangerous. So I believe in a concept called body storage. And I got into that when I was interviewing uh, an ex-Special Forces guy for National Geographic a few years ago. And he said, um, he's the guy who came up with the, T- the idea for the THX straps, the ones, those straps you see in gyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, met the, I met the inventor. He invented them out of parachute straps. And he's, I think he's a Green Beret. Don't hold me to any of that. But I met the guy, I interviewed him in 2011, and he gave me a pair of THX straps, which I used not three hours ago. Anyway, he said, me and my guys, we, we were being stored somewhere where you're, I said, you were being stored? He goes, yeah, we're being stored, waiting for an operation to begin. I can't tell you where. I go, wait, wait a minute, you're being stored? He goes, yeah, we're, we're, we're an asset. We're stored, like, like you store a Jeep or a box of, of crackers. We're in storage until we, it's mission go. I'm like, that's intense. He goes, well, we're, we're just assets. We're just told when, when to get out of storage and go take the beach. And like, you know, and he said, I, you know, I had to come up with a fitness regime. So I, I, I got some parachute straps and I said, storage. Oh, that's badass. <laughs> I'm taking storage. And so I store my body in different parts of the world. Uh-huh. Like pre-COVID, I have to edit a book. Okay, I'll just go, instead of storing my body in Los Angeles, I'll go store my body in the Peruvian Andes and go edit in Cusco. Wow. Or I'll go edit in Taipei. Yeah. Or I'll go edit in Manila in the Philippines. Yeah. Is this body storage? And yeah. so, and you're going to die one day. Yeah. And so why not have interesting places to store yourself? Just drag drag your carcass to interesting places because it's all over in, in a few fiscal quarters anyway. Yeah, it's a vessel. I'm into my body being a, a carcass I drag around. Yeah. And I try and store it in interesting places. So having a, an office that is a laptop quite often, um, I just go store it in India or Thailand or... Uh, Burma or yeah. Myanmar. And I'm not trying to impress you on my crazy lifestyle, but um, you know, we get it. We the, get the it. 90s travelers. allowed me yeah. to, to live this way yeah. and to be a complete eclectic kook. Absolutely. And, and live weird. Absolutely. And um, that's how I, well, you know, pre-COVID, that's how I used to live. Yeah. Where I would just uh, tell my manager, hey, in two weeks, how about um, I go to, you know, for 10 days in uh, Iceland? Like, Okay, booked. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, suddenly you're just uh, hitting the cool record stores of Reykjavik. Amazing. That's a dream of mine. I want to go there so badly. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the people are great. It kind of closes by 9 p.m. Really? Um, I heard it's a big party town. Well, I don't party. So the, the, <laughs> the coffee houses. No, yeah, you, two, you two will be fine. Um, <laughs> me, the, the the worried guy trying to write in a coffee place. Like 9 p.m.? I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> but um, it's a it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. But, um, so it was the 90s that allowed me to go like full weirdo. I'm going to live my life on my terms. And my terms are nothing like how my parents ra- were raised. Yeah. 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 And um, that's kind of how I'm grooving these days per COVID confines. Just going back a, a little bit here, uh, we wanted to ask about uh, the 1996 memoir, Get in the Van. I mean, that sure. was massive. Uh, you won a Grammy for the best spoken word recording. Uh, I mean, it's essentially a manifesto for any touring musician. You know, what? what's kind of like your key takeaway from that 
in your opinion, and what was it like to win a damn Grammy? <laughs> okay, well, uh, the book is journal entries from my years in Black Flag. Uh-huh. And what drove me to writing was Henry Miller. Yeah. And um, loneliness. I mean, you you show up in your broke van to a small parking lot of the rough bar you'll be playing. And, you know, that night, well, you know, the singer, me, will always be, you know, I don't like this song. You know, crack. You know, I get an ashtray upside the head. And I never said, well, he wrote it. I just took the ashtray. Mm-hmm. And so every night was like, you know, what, what will the abuse be tonight? And there's, you can't really do anything with your $4 in your pocket, except hope to eat. And so record stores, you'd look at records or look at books and you couldn't buy them. So I just turned to writing to kind of be lonely and mad. I would take it out on the page. And that turned into like writing hours a day. The worse it was, the more I'd write. Yeah. And in uh, somewhere in the uh, 1990s, my, my departed friend, Joe Cole, said, man, you, you got to document this stuff. It was his idea to put okay. all the black flag journals into a book. And that's why he's thanked that he's quoted at the beginning of the book and get in the van. That's just kind of what I did in those days. You just got in the damn van and, you know, you go from one miserable Berg to the next. We had a van in Europe. We had a van in Canada. We had a van in in the U.S. You're always getting in and out of a van. Mm -hmm. Like we're we're driving in England on the wrong side of the road in a rental van getting beeped at as we're almost causing accidents. So the van was was life. And so um, that that writing is really raw. I mean, I read it. We just reissued that book recently and I had to reread some of it. I'm like, whoa, can't edit. You got to leave it alone. It's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty visceral. It's, it's like a lot. It's something else. It's yeah. uh, it's real. Yeah. It's just how I was when I was 21 or whatever. Exactly. And so I wrote from the road, from that very intense reality. And I didn't pull any punches. That book has hardly any edits. It's just like, you know, vomit, wham, there it is. Deal with it. And so um, we made a, a book on tape version of it. And my manager says, you're not going to believe this. You're, you've been nominated for two Grammys, 1995, best video for the song Liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get in the van for audiobook. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so, and, and you've been asked to perform at the Grammys. Yep. yep. So you go to, you go to the, at the Shrine Auditorium. It was a small event when I did it. Uh, you go downtown to that, the, wherever the shrine is, and you, you, for, for, for camera, you do the song like 20 times. You just over and over, like, I can't stand this, but that's the drill. So on the day of the Grammys, the night we're going to perform, we had already played the song like five times that morning. And they're having the non-televised Grammys when they're going to give away the, the, the one that I'm nominated for, for Get in the Van. I'm in a pair of shorts a sweat-stained black t-shirt from singing Liar over and over again, (laughs) a Grammy performer laminate hanging out with my pal David Bianco, the great uh, mixer engineer who sadly passed away, who engineered a lot of the Rick Rubin uh, recordings, Mm -hmm. who helped us with the Wait album that the Liar record comes from. He's doing live sound that night for us. So I'm there with David Bianco because we're there all day. I said, hey, you want to come watch me lose a Grammy? He's like, yeah. (laughs) We're sitting with a bunch of press people. There's there's no one watching this except, you know, press people who are going to write it down. You know, a smattering of people, relatives of those nominated and the nominated. And I said, David, if I win, I'm going to 
I'm going to name check you from the stage. He's like, oh, okay, big guy. And like, and here are the, you know, for audiobook of the year, it's the Bible done by, uh, who's, uh, who's the guy you know, out of my dead hands, the NRA guy, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. I think yeah. yeah, he did the Bible and then someone else did the history of baseball. So I'm up against the good book and America's favorite pastime. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the winner is Henry Rollins get in the van and I'm in a pair of shorts and, and you know, a t-shirt and I walk down the aisle and people, and like I walk to the stage and the security guys look at each other like, it, who's Henry Rollins? It can't be this. A Grammy winner isn't in a pair of gym shorts with a sweat stained t-shirt with a laminate on. They're looking at each other like, do we let them up? They went, <laughs> they went screw it. Let them up. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens. They, they had no idea. And they give you a blank Grammy, your name. They have to put that on like weeks later. So they give mm-hmm. you a blank Grammy. And I said, it must, it must be really wild for people like you to see a guy who looks like me winning something like this. And the, the people like you see, looking like, wait a minute. Oh, he just kind of insulted us. But yeah, yes, yes. And well, he's kind of right. Clap, clap, (laughs) clap, clap, clap. I'd like to thank my manager, name withheld, my lawyer, name withheld, and David Bianco. I love you, man. And I watched him jump out of his seat and dive to the floor like, you bastard. And And I held up the Grammy and there's photos. You go online and look. The hero is so much darker then. And and, um, I'm holding it like, (laughs) Hurrah, I won a Grammy. And then I'm taken away off stage right to go do Grammy press. Yeah. And I'm standing behind Kirk Douglas going going in to meet downtown Judy Brown, Julie Brown, to be on MTV. So, Henry, you won a Grammy. That's wild. I'm like, I guess so. (laughs) And I smell like, you know, sweat. And um, I did like two hours in a a sweat-stained T-shirt. And... (laughs) My manager couldn't find me because I'm in the bowels of the shrine doing press. And every press op, they give you a blank Grammy. Then you, then they take it away and you go to another station. They give you another and you do the, the radio. And I did all this press and they're looking at me like, you're Hen, Hen, Henry Rollins? I'm like, yeah, okay. And you, what do you do? I mean, I was unknown to these people. Well, I've, I've made like 20 albums. I've been touring for 118 years. <laughs> huh. But you're not in, you're not Belle Biv DeVoe. Like, well, no, then we don't know who you are. And I just was not part of that world, the Grammy world at all. And since then, I've done so many projects with the Grammys, including one I'm going to be doing later this year. Cool. So we came out in Armani tuxes. My bandmates are in black, black tux, black bow tie. Since I'm painted red in the liar video, I have a red bow tie. Hey. Awesome. I had memorized, you know, for the camera, they have the names of the stars in all the seats so they can, in the nominees are, and they can whip the camera to that person and the camera and the camera people rehearse it so they can, don't have to look around for the guy who won the Grammy or the woman. And so I memorized Al Green is at my one o'clock. Uh, Curtis Mayfield is at my like 10 o'clock. So I'm going to make sure to sing to them. And we went out and did the track. We did the song and I hit my marks and I'll never forget. We finished the song and we're in our bare feet with tuxes on. We go back to the dressing room and the 
clothes rental people are there with coat hangers. They want, they're afraid we're going to destroy the outfits. Like, <laughs> can you please get out of our tuxes? Like we're, we've been done for like, you know, 20 seconds. We still have to find out if that we're, we still have yet to find out we're going to lose to Soundgarden, uh, who very graciously said, well, it should have been the Rollins band, which, you know, they're great. Um, and wow. we got back to the dressing room after all the, it all finished and they're there waiting for their clothes. Can you please uh, get out of our clothes? Like, can we sit down? Can you please just stand up and get out of clothes? Like, <laughs> okay. And they, they disappeared and suddenly we're back on our street clothes. And I remember talking to our drummer, the great Sim Kane, And he was like, man, that was intense. I said, what? He said, you didn't see? I go, no, I was too busy going, hey, I'm a liar. <laughs> to, you know, um, Al Green, like, why wouldn't you? He said, oh, man, um, Annie Lennox and Peter Gabriel were looking at us. They hated it. <laughs> they, 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 for like three minutes, they looked like they were drinking sour milk. Like, like they had like the worst faces. And like Sim, poor old Sim, he's trapped behind a drum kit. And he has a kind of fixed eye line because he has to, you know, keep it going. Mm -hmm. The symbols are. And so he just watched Annie Lennox and Peter Gabriel, two people I greatly admire. I mean, they're amazing. Apparently they thought we sucked. (laughs) And pre-COVID, I I used to eat uh, lunch at this place uh, in Hollywood where I'd see Annie Lennox at least three times a month. (laughs) And I'm sure she doesn't remember me from anything. And I walk by her and, you know, she just sees some old guy walking by her and like nothing registers. Yeah. Well, she's a great actress. Like her face doesn't give away like, oh, you're the guy who sucked in 95. <laughs> but it always, it always kind of burned me because I, I, I think yeah. both of them are, are completely amazing. Yeah. And, you know, they get to, they get to not like a band. That's fine. Yeah. Um, that was like, oh, well. At least well, Al Green sauce. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so that was the upside. And then uh, I went to an after show party and ended up hanging out with Gene Simmons, was a, oh. which was oh, wow. utterly surreal. Yeah. And then Maynard yeah. from Tool came over and the three of us are hanging out. And it was just a, a night of a night of stars. Wow. That's it was just a, a, a trippy night of like, I won a Grammy. And like yeah. you get it in the mail like six weeks later. Uh, and now it sits uh, all tarnished and old in my manager's office right now. Okay, I was going to ask you where yeah. you where you kept it. Okay, well, you cool. know, years ago I gave it away because yeah. you know, I don't care about trophies, and I, I've won yeah. many awards. Yeah, I've I've been I've got a lot of a lot of those things have been given to me over the years. That's nice. I give them away, and like gold and platinum records I've received. You know those those things you yeah. hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. I, I sign them, and we give them away for charity auctions. Cool. Wonderful. Like I, I don't, I'm fine without, without them. Yeah. And so the only one I have was given to me when the first Ramones album went gold, Johnny Ramones wife gave me one as a gift. Cause I've done work on behalf of the Ramones. Wow. That one I kept. Yeah. But, um, wow. you know, other ones I've just, you know, I'm like here, man. <laughs> so, um, incredible. Uh, I gave away my Grammy and finally, my my manager said, we got to get your Grammy back. I'm like, ah, who cares? And she said, well, I do. I want that in my office. Yeah. So I knew the guy who had it. I go, hey, got, still got that Grammy? Or did eBay get it for like $1.49? And he said, no, it's, I'm staring at it right now. It's on my desk. Um, are you reeling in the ears? You want it back? I'm like, no and yes. <laughs> and so I drove over to his place uh, in the valley. 
And I picked it up and I put it in the passenger seat of my car and I drove it back to my house and put it in my manager's office where it is uh, to this day. Amazing. Awesome. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. what, what an interesting uh, time period just to be so prolific as you were. That's that's so cool and to meet those really cool people too. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was an interesting decade. Hung out with James Brown. Wow. Yeah, he, he, he I, you know, I, I met a lot of, you know, pretty people in that decade. Uh, a lot of, you know, famous types. A lot of, met a lot of my music heroes. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Dion Warwick. Uh, yeah. She was so nice to me. Uh, so I, I, I met a lot of, uh, a lot of those people in my record collection yeah. and uh, a lot of actors I admire and directors I admire. I mean, I'm not here clouding up your airways, trying to drop a bunch of names to impress I love people. It. That's but, um, so that all, a lot of that happened in the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, it's better than a kick in the neck. I mean, they're just people, <laughs> but it's, it makes life you know interesting, I guess it's a bend in the road. Um, and, and that was uh, kind of the, the entirety of the 1990s for me, a lot of consequence, not all good, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, I got sued by a record label I was on. It cost me a lot of money to extricate myself from that contractual nightmare. Yeah. But by and large, it was a, a, a really fascinating time that got me into this century Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with a momentum and kind of uh, status or whatever, the reputation that I derived from the 80s and 90s. It has informed the 2000s up to this moment right now when we're together. Oh, uh, you know, speaking about the 90s and stuff, you know, what to you was, you know, one of the most important bands or albums to come out of the 90s? And, you know, maybe what band of the 90s helped shape the sound of punk to come? I mean... Well, um, on a personal level, the band, the a band that really was relevant to me was Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Lollapalooza. Yeah. But you know the the nothing shocking record and the um, uh, ritual de lo habitual record. I mean, those were records I played a lot, especially uh, ritual. Uh, I played the ritual record a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I think uh, Undertow by by Tool was yeah. a monster record. I was uh, with uh, a gal I was going out with in Toronto, S- summer '92. We're touring and we have some opening band called Tool. Within three shows, they're like nipping at our heels. Like, are they a good band? Uh, a little. Like, run for your life. Like, yeah. the coolest guys, but a band like you don't want to go on after Tool unless you can really bring it. And we're having not a competition, but you know they know they're good, and we know we're good, and we you know fans of each other, mutual respect. Within five shows. They are like a bunch of wolverines on steroids running after us. Like, you better be good. (laughs) And they would do these sets where like, who can go on after that? Well, it says on the itinerary, you are. (laughs) And that tour went from the East Coast and ended in Los Angeles. And by that time, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. And so months later, and I actually, I'm on a track on the Undertow record. I was in Toronto uh, catching my breath with a gal I was going out with. And Maynard uh, emails me like, hey, call me, man. So I call him and he goes, hey, um, we're done with the record. Um, BMG has 
promo copies. And I was up there doing some press. So I went to BMG, Toronto, Canada. And I said, hey, can you hook me up with a, a copy of Undertow? And I got it back to the girlfriend's house and we listened to Undertow. And like, you know, that record just blows your doors off mm-hmm. on the first listen. You like it or don't like it. It's bigger than you are. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect record. And so um, I called Maynard. I said, Maynard, I'm not any, I'm not, not like I'm Casey Kasem around here, but that's a platinum record. He's like, oh no, come on, you're high. I'm like, never. That's a, that's a record everyone's going to buy. And I was right. Because yeah. you heard it. You're like, uh, that's not going to stop. I mean, this record, like, who won't like this? Next level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, and like, whoa, like, how'd you all do that? Yeah. And so um, that was a relevant record. The Dirt album by Allison Chains. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Huge record for me. I just think that's a band with no bad songs. I mean, that Lane was a oh, real yeah, incredible. thing. Do you ever meet Lane? No, I I became pals with his mom okay. after he passed away. Sadly, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, she yeah. she would she would come to my shows in Seattle and hang out with me oh, after cool. the show. Aww. We always you know put you know on the guest list. Lane's mom plus one. Um, <laughs> and I I don't I, I don't know if I've ever no I've never met Jerry Cantrell and I liked his solo records too. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go. I know a, the guy who now sings in Allison Chains. I've known that guy for many years. He said when they were doing Degradation Trip, he he called me or wrote me. I forget. He goes, "Hey, you know, we're in this endless session. Why don't you come and hang out?" And I, I don't like to hang out at other band sessions just because they're working, and I don't want to be yeah. a pest. So I said no, but thank you, and tell all the all the lads I said hello. But I, I love that Foggy Depot Jerry Cantrell record. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of like you know the. The, it would have been like the next Alice in Chains record. Um, so there's a lot of good records in the 90s. Like Dinosaur yeah. Jr. was great throughout the 90s. Oh, yeah. the, uh, the Pixies. Oh, I mean, the yeah. 90s was a great time. Slayer, like the metal scene was happening. Um, there's so many great records from all genres. I mean, great jazz records coming out. That uh, Lower East Side New York scene was totally happening. People like Matthew Shipp, uh, William Parker. Kind of on any genre you can pick, the the people of the '90s sucked. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not. You're not thinking that through. Actually, yeah. exactly. what about this record and that record and that record? Like, oh yeah, that's right. And so, um, a lot of bands did some of their best work in the 90s totally i would say totally. and so um it it wasn't some fake decade as some people write it off it's like the birth of the yuppie or whatever like well that's no um there's a lot of people who made some really you know great writing uh, a lot of great publications some kind of came and went like yeah. magazines like ray gun and bikini were really cool but they couldn't sustain yeah. but they were trying for something yeah and um that's what I remember of the nineties was like a ton of great records. Yeah. And I still have them and I still, I love them. So, um, you know, I, I remember the nineties mixed because the, yeah. my, the bad yeah. times for me were really bad, yeah, like, sure. like ultimate bad. Yeah. Um, but the good times were really good. And there's, you know, parts that I made a damn fool out of myself, you know, um, as, as a young person, uh, thick of skull will do. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. But I think of the nineties all the time and like, hopefully I spent them well. Cause at my age, that reality is never coming back. Yeah. And I, I'd like to think that, um, you know, I, I 
I, I hit it really hard and, you know, squeeze it till there's no toothpaste left in the tube. It sounds like it. I, I tried. You know, yeah. I realized I was young. I had the mojo. You know, I got some momentum and uh, I'm going to go for it. You know, so I, I think I, I think I did. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely went for it. Absolutely. I love that so much. Just to satisfy my own mind, uh, <laughs> when, you know, in, in the 90s and stuff, did you ever meet or interact with Kurt Cobain? I knew you were an actor. Um, interact, yes. Uh, meet, no. Okay. Um, two occasions, um, the hours before my friend was murdered right next to me. Yeah. Uh, Joe Cole and I went from Venice to Hollywood to go see whole open for smashing pumpkins at the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, fans of both bands on Courtney's guest list. And so Joe knew Courtney cause he would follow her around and uh, he made a documentary called the whole truth with whole. So he was on tour right. with them yeah. as a hundred hours of Courtney being Courtney. And, you know, I, I liked that band. I thought, I thought whole was really good. Yeah, the pumpkins, great. The yeah. pumpkins were great too. Yeah. And so we went free, you know, we get in free cause we're on the guest list and we're, you know, Joe and I are just like, you know, two early thirties, like, you know, idiots, like sitting, standing in the back in the dark, burning people. I look at that guy, <laughs> you know, just being, being jerks. And, um, we see Kurt Cobain. Wow. And I go, look, it's the Nirvana guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me and like, a, like if you ever seen a coyote, you look at them and they kind of almost jump out of their skin. Cause they're that sensitive. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. looking at them hurt, scares them. Yeah. I looked at him and he kind of like, like someone hit him with a cattle prod. He kind of like spasmodically went there and looked down. Like, I don't, I don't see you. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. you weird person. <laughs> and then we're just waiting for hold to open. And then I look around and there's Kurt Cobain and another part of the whiskey staring at me. I look at him. He stares, he looks away. And then it, he's over there at my, at my two o'clock looking. And I look at him, he looks away. <laughs> and finally, you know, Courtney comes rolling in. Um, I go, Hey, Courtney, what's up with your boyfriend? Like, <laughs> she goes, Oh, you know, he likes you and, and he's high and you're Mr. Straight edge and he's all afraid. <laughs> and, um, you know, I forgot if she said, I'll bring him over, but you know, like, so, and so within four hours of that conversation, my friend is dead. Aww. And so a few days later, you know, you're dealing with that event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta find, you know, burial and I'm dealing with the parents and they want his car. And there's all these like cancel his, his video account at the store, cancel his phone bill, just all this real life stuff you've got to do, which is insane. Like yeah. really shouldn't this all just be done magically? No, yeah. you got to get on the phone and work through it. So me and my girlfriend, we're doing this really hard grinding mechanics of someone who's for someone who's left. And so I have to go be with a family with the body at this, at the thing and bring in the mom and bring in the family to look at, I'm, I was the one bringing them in and taking them out, bringing them in. So I'm standing yeah. with this body. It's, wow. it's, it's, it's surreal. Yeah. And so I have the, the formalin, uh, the preservative on the, of the body in my clothes it's in my hair it's in my eyes you you breathe it in yeah and my girlfriend said uh you have a show tonight oh geez at lhasa 
we forgot to cancel it because we've been doing yeah. this. Yeah. You're on in like two hours. Yeah. No time to change. She just drove me to the club, sold out all like 120 people. And it's like the one that was across the street from Cantor's. Yeah. Where the window, the the back of the, your your back is to Fairfax and uh-huh. it's a window. So there's a bunch of people who couldn't get in yeah, staring yeah. through the glass. So I go on stage and I go, well, I guess I have a story. Yeah. And I told them the story, a longer version of what I just told you. Meanwhile, the formalin smell is burning my eyes because it's coming off my shirt. Jeez. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before. I'm not really talking out of my own class, but um, that's what happened. And so I, after the show, uh, people are coming up to me. And, like, a lot of people knew my friend. They're like, he, he's gone? Because, no, yeah. you know, you're not texting your friends. You, like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. They're like, I'm so sorry. It's like this grief fest. Yeah. And I, I have a debt of that show I've never had the courage to listen to. Yeah. Because there, there's, there's no sound. Yeah. You know, no one, you know, you can't even hear hair growing. I mean, it's so quiet in there because everyone's like, what? Yeah. And they, I talked for like ah, 90 minutes. I go, well, and that's what happened last week. Thank you. Good night. And like, you know, I mean, like, what do you do yeah. so afterwards? It just, you know, I'm standing there and people coming up and, you know, hugging me and I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, it sucks. But, and so Courtney came up to me and she said, oh, ah, cause you know, she loved Joe. Yeah. And um, she, she said, I, I don't know. I, I, I go, I know, I know, I know. I, I'm, uh, yeah. And I look out the window of what, what, of the stage onto Fairfax and there's Kurt Cobain yeah. with his hands around his eyes. Like when you're looking in through a window, yeah. you don't want the glare staring at me with these like wide open eyes. And that's how I found out he was at that thing. Wow. Like he was there. Wow. And those are the two interactions besides seeing Nirvana play. Yeah. Um, those are the two times that I know I was around him. I think he might've seen me perform like on stage in black flag or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as far as like being around him, those are the two times that I'm sure of. Incredible. But I'm wow. um, shaking the hand and talking to him. Never. He was a good yeah. friend with Ian Mackay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and right, so right. Ian said he always would ask about you because he knew I knew you. And he <laughs> uh, and how much he loved the My War album by Black Flag. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, he uh, he said he he would always ask, like, you know, what does Henry think of this or that? Oh, my God. Um, and so that was my my Kurt Cobain experience wow. besides the, the time I saw him play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's one of those, uh, you know, relevant people from that time. And that's one of those bands that, you know, made a, a million ships sail. Yeah. And uh, in my life in a very strange and abstract way. Yeah. But not directly, but yeah. indirectly, you know, by, you know, some association. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That is so incredible. Wow. What a decade you had in the 90s and before that and after that, but the 90s were yeah. just such a... That's a big time. Yeah. That was yeah. It, it was uh, kind of set the course for, you know, how I live now. Yeah. And it allows Absolutely. me to kind of move around as I do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that... 
that is so incredible. I think that is probably the perfect place to end it. But thank you so, 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 so much for joining us to talk about the 90s. Yeah, absolute pleasure having you. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad I know you too. And, um, <laughs> the feeling's I, mutual. Yeah. Well, I, I believe the three of us have a very special bond. That totally. Is, that, is, that is totally unique. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there's only uh, two other people outside of the three of us who had, who can have a shared experience that we had at your great wedding day. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not lost upon me. Oh. And so, uh, and so. Uh, thank you for thinking of me to be on this thing with you. And uh, I hope I didn't talk too long or get too out of context. Oh my gosh, uh, are these you are, kidding? These are challenges that I face. I go off on tangents and the tangent <laughs> have kids and they make tangents. And so oh, I love it. Hopefully I love it was it. not too uh, full of hot air. Stories. And, and when COVID's over, you got to come over for a tiki drink and we'll, we want to hear more of your stories. Uh, a very nice seltzer water. Oh, seltzer, I, I yeah, think, seltzer I think water. I, I yeah, yeah. That before. yeah. Right? That's right. I'll, I'll take anything without alcohol, but uh, I'll definitely, definitely take you up on it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, well, is there anything that um, you're working on now that you want our listeners, our 90s kids, our 90s kids at heart to check out? Um, where can people find you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm not into self promotion, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, I'm working on two records. One has two tracks that have never been released, and where that's going to happen this year. And then I, me and my cohorts are working on a reissue of a record from way back in the day that I have loved since I heard it in 1979. We have found the tape. We have found one of the members of the band. The owner of the tape is coming towards the idea of letting myself and my constituents put it out. Wow. Where there's at least $75 in it for him because it's a 10,000-year-old <laughs> a, a record, and I'm sure we'll sell at least 75 or 80 copies. There's nothing <laughs> in it for me besides, we did it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to express that to people who I do not know. Like, hi, my name is Henry. I'm a really weird guy, but I'm honest, and I, I want to do this thing with that record. So we've been doing a lot of legwork. We found the tape. We have the green light from the one band member we could find. We have a semi-green light from the person who has the tape. I'm waiting to hear back. And so those are two things that will hopefully, one is definitely happening this year. Awesome. One One will hopefully happen this year. And the way to find out is just uh, in the late, maybe by September, October of this year, check out henryrollins.com because I'll be announcing these things that I make no money from that I actually buy my own copies of from the label because I don't want to slow down the band's uh, royalties. Yeah, And so those are two things. Otherwise, I'm always working on a new book. Okay. Always. And um, I should have another one out in December of this year. Incredible. And that's what I'll be working on for between eight and 15 hours a day, starting two weeks ago until it's done. And that's how fun it is to edit a book. Amazing. Well, well, thank you for taking two hours of that editing time to talk to us tonight. You got it. No problem. Awesome. I can't wait to read it. I cannot wait to read yeah. it. Can't wait. All right. And we'll, we'll make sure we put your uh, your website and everything in the show notes. Um, thank you, Henry. Thanks again for, for joining us. We are so grateful for your time. You got it. And uh, <laughs> I'll see you all uh, next time at the Tiki Bar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank absolutely. You. All right, 90s kids. We're going to leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please make sure you're following us on social media. Talk to the Hand Pod. 
on Instagram. Um, TTTHPod on Twitter. Again, like I said before, not really that active on Twitter. I hope to do, start doing that soon. But you know what? I'm just like one person, okay? <laughs> so follow us on Instagram, Talk to the Hand Pod. You can email us at talktothehandpod at gmail.com or visit our website at talktothehandpod.com. And don't forget, leave a five-star review with your name in the comments, and we will enter you into our March and April TTTH pod giveaway. Um, and like I said, make sure you have your name in the comments so we can call you out. And yeah, until next week, we have a fabulous episode. As always, very nostalgic with an old friend of mine. Um, and we're going to be talking about a really fun, nostalgic topic from the 90s. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And until then, mask up, socially distance, be a good human, and get vaccinated if you can. <laughs> and be excellent to each other. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.